Let's pray together. Most gracious Heavenly Father, as we come into this moment now where we open your word, speak to our hearts and challenge us, challenge our thinking that you would transform our beliefs and our attitudes, that you would transform the way we live and act toward other people so that we may point more and more people to Jesus. And it's in his name that we pray, amen. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to open them with me to Exodus chapter 34, which is the second book of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus chapter 34. When I was four days old, just a little infant, I was adopted. And if you were adopted or know somebody, you know that each, each person, the story is unique and individual. For some, there's a private adoption like mine where it was handled just through an attorney with my parents, and, 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 but some were like maybe in a, in a home or had a, an adoption that was an open one where you, the birth mother and the parents actually stayed in contact with the new family and they shared pictures and events throughout their lives. Mine was this private one, so I didn't have that experience. So as I grew up, I always had these questions of, of who is my, my birth mother and, and, and like what, what's the story and what does she like and look like? And I grew up, and when I was 22 years old, I went to my parents and I said, hey, I'm really curious and I'd like to find some answers. And they're like, man, we are too. And I, like, they were just as curious as I was. And so they said, hey, call this man in Waxahachie. Here's the attorney, he handled your case. And so I called him up and he's like, you know, I've since retired, but I remember your case very well because I know your, your great uncle, he was my pharmacist. And so I'm gonna give you his name. And so I called this guy, his name was David, and I, I, I was so nervous and I called him and we pieced together through all the details the attorney had given me that in the dates and the times and the hospitals and all this stuff, that, it, that this was it. And I was so excited. Man, I was learning stuff that I had never, it was like mind blown like of where my family had come from and all this. And so he said, I'm gonna to, to call your birth mother and, and see if she would like to talk to you. He called me back, he said, be by the phone at seven o'clock tonight. The phone rang, I was so nervous, I picked it up. For the very first time, I heard my birth mother's voice. She and I, we wept and talked for about two hours as we told stories and, of our lives, and she said, I'm so glad you were able to be with a Christian family and music and go on, and she's like, I, I finished college and married, and I've got four children, and now I've got a, a beautiful life, and so it, it was amazing how God worked it out. And for the first time, I could hear her personality and her, and, and, and her love and, and, and hear her, her speak. And I learned something very valuable at that time. It's a principle you might find if you're taking notes that says this. If you want to learn about a person, you can learn about them through another person and what they have to say. But better is to learn about a person from that person themselves. See, my eyes were open as I got to hear her speak. And, and, and for all these years of these clouds were going away and I had a, a brand new understanding of the situation. As we launch into this new year, 2021, we're in a new series called Focus. And what our desire is, what our prayer is, is that we would grow to be refocused on the character of God and all that he has for us this year. You know, many times we're, we get away from him and we're living life and we're in the chaos and the confusion and the, just the anger and all the, that we feel in this society and we can get jaded. And we, God, where, where are you? Are you even paying attention 
to what's going on? Are you, what are you doing? Are you punishing us with this? And, and this doesn't make any sense. And, and through our own experience, we begin to try to make an estimation of who God is. And we get away from the word and he's calling us back to himself through this series and, and this year to say, I want you to look in scripture and see what I've got to say about myself. And I wanna remind you about my character. And so each week, we're gonna take this passage of scripture that Pastor Tim launched us into last week out of Exodus 34, and we're gonna break it down just one attribute at a time as we look at our Heavenly Father. And so I wanna invite you to come back over this series because we're gonna wrestle with some things that are maybe seem challenging, but it's gonna show you the incredible depth and, and vastness of God's heart toward you, his people, as we refocus on him this year. And so as we get into Exodus 34, let me give you just a little reminder of the backstory leading up to how we get to this scripture. If you remember, the, the Moses he led the children of Israel out of captivity of slavery and they go through the Red Sea and they're heading to the promised land. And God says, I'm gonna give you 10 words, 10 commandments on the tablets of stone for you to live by. And so Moses, he goes up the mountain to go get the commandments. Remember, he's up there by himself and God's giving them to him. And meanwhile, down below, the people get restless. They're like, like where's Moses? Did he, the, did he just, like, did he leave? He's, is he coming back? And they're like, Aaron, they call out to Aaron, another leader, make us a golden calf that we can worship this. And so they start throwing a big party and Moses comes down off the mountain. He's hearing singing. He's like, what is this? And he looks and he sees this revelry and sin and this idolatry and he's so angry. He what? He just throws those tablets and they crash on the ground. He is, he's appalled and he's, he's just embarrassed before the Lord that, that, that God's people would do this. He goes before the Lord, almost a foreshadowing of, of what Jesus would do for us centuries later when he, Moses went individually before God, representing his nation to all these people, and he pleaded for God's mercy, and he said, Lord, for your name's sake, have mercy on these people. They're a stiff-necked people, but, but, but please show us some mercy. And so God said, okay, take two. We're gonna do a restart here, we're gonna do a reset, and so Moses, he's gonna go get another set of tablets, but before that, he said, God, would you do one thing for me? Like, would you just give me the honor? Like, can you just show us yourself? Like, would you, like, so, would, so we can see you, would you show me you? And what does God say to him? He says, hey, nobody can look at me and live and survive. I'm so holy, my greatness is so, it's so pure that you can't even look at me. So what I'm gonna do, I'm gonna hide you in this cleft, in this cave of a rock and cover you with my hand, the Lord says, and I'm gonna move in front of you and when I pass by, you can see my back. So he didn't, Moses didn't get to see an appearance, but he got to see the attributes and learn about the character of God. And that's where we pick up this story in a text that is one of the most important scriptures in all of the Old Testament. How do we know that? It's because it's the most repeated and, and quoted passage of scripture all throughout the prophets and in scripture. And so let's pick it up in Exodus chapter 34, verse six. And he, God, passed in front of Moses proclaiming this, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate 
and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands, and forgiving wickedness and rebellion and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of the parents to the third and the fourth generation. What does all this mean? We're gonna unpack this over the next few weeks and so come back and we're gonna explore it. But today we're going to see God give us basically what's his autobiography. It's the first time in all of scripture that he tells us about himself. We're not learning from someone else. He says, I want you to get it from me and here's who I am. He starts off this list of his attributes by reminding Moses of his name. Remember back when he went to Pharaoh, Moses did to say, let my people go. And God told him, I am who I am. And so we come to this passage and God is reminding Moses of his name. Like when you go and you introduce yourself or you meet somebody for the first time or you're just getting reacquainted, you say, hi, I'm, and you give them your name. And that's what God, he's saying, I am Yahweh, Yahweh El. In the original language, and the word El is just an Old Testament, it's Elohim, a word for God, but where he's different is Yahweh. It's the Hebrew word for I am, the third person of the verb to be. God's saying that, that I am, that, that I never wasn't. I, I was, I am, and I will be in the future. I am the self-sustaining God. I am the ever-present God. You, as my human creation, you depend on me, but I don't depend on you. I am. And God's saying that I am not the, the great I was. I'm not the great I used to be. I am the great I am right now, the ever-present God who is with you. Do you ever feel like where are you, God? Have you abandoned us? What's going on in here? And your God says to you today, whatever situation you're in, he says, I am. I am in the midst of it, and I'm with you. And I'm the eternal God, and I never change. I've come to bring you peace. And he begins his list of attributes with this beautiful word. He says, I've come to show you that I am compassionate compassion. If you were going to write a resume about yourself and to, to just to show how great you are, you might not start with the word. You might say, hey, I'm powerful. I'm smart. I, look how mighty I am. But God, he's different. He says, I want you to know right off the bat that I am full of compassion. Why is that important? We get sometimes tripped up and we begin to think that God's angry with me. But he says, I am compassionate. This word compassion in the Hebrew language, rachem, is the word, uh, it, it can also mean womb, womb, like a mother's womb. And, and it symbolizes the, uh, the protection of a mother, of an infant in its most vulnerable condition, this, this deep love and stirring and, and, and just the moving deep inside of you, compassion of care for Someone, and this is what God is trying to say that I am stirred deeply inside of me as I consider you. It's an emotional word, a deep stirring. 
The word is used in another place in the Old Testament, and you might remember the story. You remember King Solomon, and he wrote uh, you know, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon. He was a great king, considered one of the wisest men of all time under the direction of the Holy Spirit's wisdom. One day, this king was presented with a dilemma, and he was out there, and he brought before him were two young mothers, and there was only one baby. And there was a dispute of whose child is this? And they were arguing and finding, no, it's mine. No, it's mine. She stole it. It's mine. And they were like, Solomon, you got to resolve this thing. And so he prayed for wisdom. And then let's look at what happened in this story. In 1 Kings 3, 26, it says, the woman whose son was alive. So the, the woman who's, who, whose son it really was was deeply moved out of love for her son and said to the king, please, my Lord, give her the living baby and don't kill him, the baby. Solomon knew in that moment instantly that that woman who just said that, that's the real mother. For no real mother would would ever let her child be put to death. She would rather see the child go with the other lady and live. She had such a deep love and compassion and it's the same word God says that I value you and I care about you and I feel so deeply for you my people God throughout scripture has been compared to a loving parent and not just we call him heavenly father but he's also got characteristics of a loving mother look what Isaiah says in chapter 49 compares This is actually God speaking to us and his people. He says, can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? Though she may forget, God says, I will not forget you. Isn't that beautiful? Have you ever felt forgotten? Like, Lord, I'm over here and I've been praying and uh, I just feel like you're not even paying attention to me. He says, no, I have not forgotten you. Like a mother who could never forget a child, neither will I forget your situation. He cares so deeply for you. And like a father cares for a child, listen to Psalm 103. He says, as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who Fear him, a compassionate father, a deep stirring inside of you when you see pain and suffering. When my oldest son was a little baby, he suffered with asthma a lot and would would have breathing problems. You know, if you've ever had to do the nebulizer treatments, you know, like, like, you gotta get their airways open. And we would do these treatments and we were young parents and one night he was having a lot of struggling and he's like, retracting and we were like ah oh, we ran him up to Arlington Memorial Hospital the only one in this area and we took him to the ER and they they were like hey okay hey calm down he's going to be all right we're going to give him a treatment but we've got to start an IV in this little guy and get him some fluids I'm like wait a second what he's like a little tiny like little how are you even going to do that and like well we can't use like his wrist it's too, we got to put the IV like in a vein near his foot and I'm like oh they're like, wait, wait, what are you doing? And they're like, hey, sir, we're gonna need you, you guys to step out in the hallway, we gotta do this. I'm like, wait, what? And they put my son on, and they begin to strap him down so he's not flailing around, you know, arms. And, the, and they're like, we step out, and I'm like, I'm like, still like, what are you doing? And you just hear this cry through the door. Ah! And like, and like, oh, this is my boy, what are you doing in here? And I just wanted to bust through there and go, and go help my son. 
the heart of a compassionate father. Your father looks at your plight and he sees the suffering that you're in and it breaks his heart and he wants to break down the door and get to you for the compassion of God. Hear this today, it's not just an empty emotion or a pity that he has on his people. That the compassion of God is a motivation for him to act and to respond to his people. His compassion leads him to respond. Listen to what Isaiah says in chapter 55. It says, let the wicked forsake his way and the unjust and unrighteous man his thoughts. Let's stop there for a second. Have you got any, any thoughts that have been tripping you up? If you have figured this thing out, how to live with 100% pure thoughts, please share that with us because every one of us in here struggles and we, we judge, we look at people and we go, how could they think that? How could they, they be that way or drive like that? And how could they have that opinion? This is ridiculous. Are you kidding me? Even my own family, like people are like, you're going nuts over here and we judge and we get thoughts that, that trip us up and we, we look at things we shouldn't look at. But he says this, let him return to the Lord, that the Lord, he may have compassion on him and to our God for, look at this, he will abundantly pardon. His heart of compassion leads him not to destroy us, but to forgive us and pardon us. His heart is deeply stirred and moved to rescue those that he created. As the centuries rolled by from the Old Testament and we get into New Testament times, people had begun to get skewed in their mind of, of how to relate to God. If you can remember back, it was the religious system, the, the temple system and the, all the sacrifices and all the, the laws and people were getting self-righteous. They're like, I'm good, I can handle, look at all the laws and my, how good I am, God must be really proud. And God's up there and he's shaking his head. He's like, you guys have gotten messed up and I need to step in and I need to, to reset this thing and I need to, to show you who I am one more time. I need to clear this thing up and I'm gonna, I'm gonna step in through the fabric of time and space and put on human flesh and become one of you and I'm gonna walk around and, and you're gonna be able to touch me and see me and you're gonna hear my voice. He took on flesh. Yahweh, I am, took on flesh, Adonai. Here's our Lord walking around and we, he's looking and he's laughing with people and he's interacting with us. He is the embodiment of God's compassion. He is God and he is the embodiment of compassion. Listen to how the writer of Hebrews talks about Jesus in chapter one. He says, he, Jesus, is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. So who's holding this world together in this, this country, in this government? Is it who we put our trust in, he's, no, God, he says, I uphold the universe by just a word of my power. He's still on his throne, he's sovereign, he's, he's got it figured out. We can put our trust in, in him and after making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. And so I love that first part of this verse when it says that Jesus is the exact imprint of his father. 
It comes from this concept back in this culture of carving out an instrument to stamp out a coin. On the instrument, they, the engraver would engrave the, the pattern and it's, they, he would put the character that he would want on the coin and then they would stamp it. And so the coin now is the perfect imprint and represents the character of the one that stamped it. And so Jesus says, when you see me, you see the imprint of your father because God, he and I are one. When you have seen me, you have seen the father, he told Philip. He said, are you, you wonder what God's like? He goes, look at my life. Look at my love for you and my compassion for you and my patience with people when they push me to the limits. Maybe you've gotten away from the Lord and you're confused and and Jesus is calling you back to the Gospels and he says, open my word and you wanna get to know me, read about my life. Get to know me, come back to me and see the heart of your father before your very eyes. Jesus is the exact imprint of his father. He's compassionate. Let's listen to what Matthew, how he describes Jesus in his ministry. Matthew, one of the disciples that walked with Jesus, he tells about one day when Jesus was out walking, and listen to what he says in verse 35 of chapter nine. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, and he was teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. And when the, he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Wow, he had compassion as he looked. And that Greek word here for compassion is, is splachnizomai, which actually it refers to a deep stirring within like a visceral reaction, like you're, you're Guts just torn with pity and, and mercy and graciousness and, and love. And so Jesus, as he looked out among the people when he saw the suffering and the diseases, his, his insides were just torn up and, and he wanted to care for them. He was not just feeling pity, but he was moved to action. And so he stepped into the mess of their lives. Can you imagine? Here's Jesus, at no social distancing. He steps up and just touches Someone who has leprosy, no hand sanitizer, no fear of face masks. He's just there and he's touching diseased people and he's, he's having compassion. His heart was stirred and, and so he's looking into your life and mine. And he said, I've come to step into whatever mess that you're going through right now. But how many times do we just forget that? We're going along in life and we hit a little speed bump and we get, we get tossed off of the comfy cruise control that we've been just going through life and all of a sudden we start to question God and we get skeptical, we get cynical and we say, God, what are you doing? Are you, are you punishing us? What's going on here, Lord? Where are you? You had compassion on the crowds in the, in the Bible, like why don't you have compassion on our world? Where are you? What are you gonna do? Why don't you just step up, Lord, and do, do something? Do you, even, do you even care about us anymore? We get confused and we begin to doubt. And then Jesus, with his calming voice and his eyes of love, he looks into our life and he says, here is compassion 
right before your very eyes on display for the world to see. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son out of his compassion so that Jesus would would take your place and mine on the cross and, and he would die so that we would be able to live. Here is compassion, not a story from 2,000 years ago that was a one and done thing. His compassion flows in this room today to you and me. He's in the middle of whatever you're in right now. Here is compassion. Long before we ever knew there was a problem, God said, I'm gonna remedy this situation and I'm gonna send my son to fix this thing. And so whatever you're walking through, he says, you're not alone. My heart beats with compassion. I'm with you in the middle of this pandemic. I'm in the middle of the chaos of this election and I'm with you in the middle of that diagnosis. And I'm with you in that cancer. And I'm with you. Yes, even in death, compassion. Jesus was the imprint of his Father on this earth, and he says, I've come for you, and I've come for you, and I'm bringing my heart of compassion. And then, you know what Luther said? He said about us, for those of us who are in Christ, who've been called into his family, who are children of God, Luther says, you are now little Christ's. What does that mean? He says that you now, Christ has ascended into heaven and so God is calling you and me. He said, I'm sending you out to be Christ to the world. And so I am compassionate. So now I'm calling you to take my compassion into a world that is so desperately needing it right now. Listen to what Paul tells us in Colossians chapter three. He says, so as those who have been chosen of God, that's us who are in the faith in Christ, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, bearing with one another and forgiving each other. How? Just as the Lord forgave you. So let me ask you these parting questions as we wrap this up. What moves you? What stirs compassion in your heart? Is it injustice? Is it suffering? I wanna ask you to think about two questions this week in your quiet time and as you get before the Lord and you spend some time in prayer and don't let this message just go past you, but to to really ponder these questions in prayer and the first one that, that you can think about this week is who can I show more compassion to or have more compassion for in my heart? Maybe it's somebody in your family that you need to show, or maybe somebody that's in your neighborhood or at work, that this guy that's on your last nerve. Maybe it's a whole group of people that see things differently than the way you see them. You're like, seriously, I gotta show compassion to them? Yeah. Oh, Jay, you don't know what I'm going through. Like, you don't know, they hurt me. They, they did something to me. I gotta show compassion to them. Well, Hey, they did it to themselves. You know, they messed up, and now they're, they're in jail or they're in prison, so like, it's hard for me to feel compassion for somebody like that. You mean I gotta show that? Yeah. Jesus says, when I was in prison, you came and you showed compassion to me. What more time does somebody need compassion and grace when they're in there? And he says, your little Christ, go out and live it. 
when we identify first the who can I be compassionate to and the what, that's great. That's just gonna be the first step. The next step is the action step. And let me leave you with this fill in the blank that you can think about. I can show more compassion this week by, mm. and you just fill that in as you pray and allow God to, to examine your heart. Maybe there's something you need to confess and you can say, you know, from now, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be more sensitive because we've got a world that's in chaos right now and more than ever, people need to see the love of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the imprint of his father, the, the embodiment of compassion. And so he's called you out. So now it's time for you to go out and live as a people of compassion so that when the reports come back about your life, they'll say, wow, she was a woman of compassion. She didn't have much money or much time, but man, she gave. What a heart. They look at this man and they say, he was a man of compassion. He, he justifiably, he could have fired somebody. He could have put down some punishment, but he showed compassion and grace. What a testimony. When the report comes back about this church, this family of faith, St. John, my prayer is that as the world looks at us, they'll say, wow, what a people, that they were living examples of the extraordinary compassion of Jesus Christ to a world that so desperately is hungering for that right now. Let's go out and live that to the glory of our great Savior, Jesus Christ, and in his name, amen. Amen.